Hello everyone and welcome to episode 147 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty and tonight I'm not joined by Ryan but I think I'm joined by the next best person, his sister, my wife of now five years. Lauren, how the heck are you? Hi everyone, I'm good. I'm happy to be back on the show. Um, I think I used up all of my introduction material mm. in our like 16 go-arounds with audio testing, but oh, yeah. I'm I'm happy to be here and uh, yeah, excited to, to record tonight. Well, I need to make sure you get the full experience of being on Otaku Brothers. You wouldn't want anything less. Yeah, that's right. And I felt like we needed some type of ceremonious introduction for you, but when I was doing my homework prior to us getting behind the mics... This is actually your seventh time being on the podcast. That's hard to believe. I feel like I've been on maybe two or three times before, but I guess it's been, I guess, around five years that you guys have been recording. Yeah. Maybe four years. So, yeah, got to sprinkle some some Lauren episodes in there every now and again. That's right. So we had you on episode 135. That was a sibling episode. Was it the first time? I feel like I was on episode like nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, don't, don't even worry about it. I got my homework. Okay. I did you my have homework. your notes. I have my notes here. I'll so trust you. 135, you were on with Ryan. And then episode 120, it was you and me back when we were living the glorious life as new homeowners in June of 2021. This is well before, you know, Sly Cooper and his band of adolescent freaks moved into our ceiling and walls. Were we still in like bliss mode for the house or did we have that shattered already? I think a little bit of bliss mode of marriage in the house and then everything kind of came crashing down this year. When we had water leaking into our mm-hmm. living room. Yeah, that's right. Down. Cool. And then episode 92, a wild gizmo appears. <laughs> that was kind of at the height of the pandemic, September 2020. Uh, we were talking about pandemic life. Uh, we were also coming off the heels of a PlayStation State of Play where I actually talked for the first half of that episode solo because I think Ryan was sick. Brought you on for the second half, and we kind of just, you know, caught up about random stuff. Sounds about right. And then episode 31, Ryan was coming back from his trip in Japan, so you guys kind of gushed. I was still there, but you two also just kind of gushed about experiences in Japan. 29, I had you on to chat about just a bunch of random stuff, I think, uh, while Ryan was in Japan. Mm, I do miss miss my trips to Japan mm. and just being able to gush about it a little bit. Yeah, so I might I, have I to miss, go back and listen to those. I missed the opportunity of actually going to Japan. Supposed to go in March of 2020 and then uh, COVID had other plans. Well, we've learned our lesson and taken advantage of a lot of different opportunities since then. So we will not make that mistake again. That's right. We'll get to that here in a little bit. And then we had you on episode 10. You were the second guest on the podcast. Of course, we had Mr. Pete Dorr himself on the episode before that, episode 9. So yeah, that, that that's seven times we've had you on the show, but Lauren, we're not here to talk about and chronicle all the episodes before this. We're here to record a new, fun, and special episode for all the listeners. So welcome, everyone, to the month of October. Hopefully this episode finds you well. Hopefully you're sitting down with a nice pumpkin spice latte, maybe a nice little just cozy, spooky season drinking meal. You're playing some good video games. Your feet are kicked up. And maybe you're playing some uh, horror games as this episode treats your ears. And uh, our job here is to hopefully just entertain you for the next hour and a half or so, as long as Lauren and I want to record. We have a fun episode, kind of queued up. If you're new here, we tend to take the first, you know, five to ten minutes of the episode talking about our life, any relevant updates we want to bring to the show. Each and every episode, we also talk about the games that we have been playing recently. You in particular have been playing a game I really want to hear about. (laughs) 
Yes. So, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And then we have some mutually played games as well that we want to chat about. And then the back half of the show, we tend to have some type of main topic. This week, I thought it'd be fun because the listeners certainly know, you're well aware, that I'm a little behind when it comes to my Nintendo Switch backlog. Yes. For the past couple of years, I was a little bit of a late adopter of the Switch. We, of course, both got... That's a funny story for another day, but we both kind of got a switch for each other for a holiday versus birthday type of deal back in like 2018. And since then, I've only played kind of a handful of games. And you, on the other side of the coin, have really only played a handful of the PlayStation 4 library that we have because I was kind of hogging that system for the past four years, three or four years until I got the PS5. And I just tend to prefer handheld consoles. So I love the switch. That's that's my go-to because I can watch a movie and play it. Um, whereas when you play um, like PS4 games, that's that's the commitment. And you typically do that and listen to podcasts, but I don't listen to quite as many podcasts as you do. So um, got to support yeah, the good be, people out there doing the good stuff, you know? No, I love it. I, I join you sometimes when you're playing games and I can play Switch and everything, but um, I tend to to go toward the Switch more and you tend to play PlayStation games quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I just said a lot without saying much at all. Uh, the episode main topic is backlog shame for both the mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation 4. So Lauren and I are coming to the table with three to five-ish games. Uh, I think I have about three to five for each console. So in the back half of the show, we'll share some of our backlog shame, games that have been sitting there. Sometimes the shrink wrap's still on the game. Uh, we're going to talk through the games that we hope to get to maybe in the next couple of months and years for both consoles. And this is obviously a topic meant to encourage listener participation. So if you're not in our discord, click that link in the show notes, get in on the fun, on the fun discussion and definitely share some of your PS4 Nintendo switch backlog shame titles. They don't have to be like you're super shameful, but just some of the games that have been sitting around for a while that you've been wanting to get to. But uh, Lauren and I are going to get to that here real soon. But first and foremost, Lauren, I have to know it's been 17 episodes since you've talked to the good people. What's been going on in your life? It's been a lot going on in my life. Um, here recently, I've just, I feel like I haven't been home at all. Uh, I've been traveling a lot for work, um, but now I'm pretty much back and I'll be home for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. uh, not traveling. So Rusty says it that way because I said that before I went on like the last three trips of like, no, it's okay. I'll be home. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great to travel a little bit. Um, had a trip up to Chicago and, and out to California. I was there last week. Um, so just all around nice little adventures. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to be back. Me too. Although I, I will say, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't tell the people that I, I did kind of enjoy your absence, not because oh. I don't want to be around you, but it's kind of nice to have me and Scoob just kind of chilling on the couch, playing games. I've got like 17 monitors up. Well, I will say when I came home from one of my trips, I walked in and there was like, we have a TV that we recently bought for the living room. That's a good size TV. And then we have the old TV, the one we replaced. Um, that, so quick story there. I want to interject. <laughs> that TV that I was using to play my PlayStation games on. That, I mean, I'll never get rid of that TV. That got me through college, even before I played all, and that's what I played Oblivion on for the first time and really like got invested in that game in college, um, among so many other titles. I mean, I could probably rattle off a bunch, but the Mass Effect series, I went through all of that in college, 
Um, Final Fantasy IX. I played Final Fantasy IX for the first time using that TV. It's very special to me. Yeah, I haven't uh, made it disappear yet, so we still have it. It's luckily right now we have enough storage, so it can mm-hmm. be tucked away somewhere. But yeah, when I came home, we had he had the like living room TV up with something, and then that little TV was some other game. Mm-hmm. The Assassin's Creed Two. Thank you. Assassin's Creed Two. It's one of the Assassin's Creed games and then the laptop ipad pretty sure you had a phone in there so listen pete was talking about screen. ebay i had to check the, the spooky games you know what what the prices were at for my i think you had fantasy football up too well you know there's just a lot to track these days so yeah i'm not I'm not complaining you mm-hmm. found a way to entertain yourself when i was gone that's right but uh but anyways so you were saying you were in california yeah, so I went out for a dairy conference. So I, I work in the dairy industry. So lots of talk about cows and feed costs and all of that. Really mm. exciting thing. Um, but then while I was out there, I actually went out a couple days early because one of my friends lives in Southern California. So um, she drove up to Santa Barbara and we got to explore the city uh, for about two days together. So that was a lot of fun. It's just a really quaint, cute town. Um, and so we just had a ball exploring we got a little airbnb um actually not an airbnb just a like old-fashioned bnb so they had like homemade granola and breakfast for us um yeah it was just a really nice weekend and then when i went to the conference i went with like a new colleague of mine and so it was interesting just to get to know her a little bit better um going on those types of things like tend to bond you a little bit so i guess those kind of either solidify or break up a break up a potential friendship yeah yeah yeah. So I, I wouldn't say that we're quite as close as you and Sean after your trip together to a conference, but we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Well, as long as no one named Gigi kind of sat <laughs> next to you at a bar and tried to. Uh, yeah, nothing. I mean, we had something kind of crazy happen, but not not quite along those lines. That's good. That's good. Um, what's the coffee scene like in California? Because I feel like they probably just have like a lot of those like frou-frou drinks or whatever. I got a really good Americano there, which is just espresso and water. But um, we, the girl I went out there with, her and I are big into like coffee, but also just making sure that wherever we go have pretty decent reviews. So we found a cute coffee shop because we had like half a day uh, before the conference started just to go and camp out somewhere and work. And so, yeah, it was, it was good. We didn't explore too much, but pretty good coffee, but we didn't go to any Starbucks or anything. We okay. wanted something a little bit more local. Yeah. Well, you know, our kind of golden rule whenever we travel is anywhere we can go at home, let's let's try doing something new. Exactly. We're out and about. So, well, good stuff. I mean, I'm what I'm really excited about is maybe Q1 of next year, mm-hmm. we might be going to Bilbo's backyard. I sure hope so. So there's, yeah, in my team at work, there's like a supplier that is in New Zealand. And so I work a lot with that supplier and my manager basically told me to put a proposal together to go and see all of their sites in New Zealand, uh, hopefully next year. So about half the team is going next year for something else. And so I'm trying to propose a trip for me to go um, to the North and South Island to explore all of the manufacturing plants. But um, it's just kind of understood within the team that if you go over to New Zealand, you will stay an extra week or go a week early and your spouse will come with you. Mm, so mm-hmm. once you're making the like me. 17 to 20 hour trip, you might as well stay over there for an extra week. So 
what we talked about earlier of not letting these chances slip by like Japan did, we would definitely be going together. Yeah. So I just have to put together that proposal and then cross my fingers and hope that it gets approved and we can go. That would be phenomenal. It actually kind of reminds me. So there's a game that I have on the PlayStation Vita that I recently got for PlayStation because I, I PlayStation four, I should say, because I want to replay it. It's called Reverie and it sort of takes place in a, I don't even want to say fictional, but a reimagining of New Zealand. Oh, really? The development team is from New Zealand. And so um, when you go up and talk to a lot of the NPCs, they kind of refer to themselves as Kiwis, as you've kind of told me that some of your suppliers do the same. And it's very much a Zelda, like Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, Earthbound inspired type of game where you're, you're, you know, going into dungeons, puzzle solving, fighting bosses, collecting a lot of interesting items um, certainly the writing is very Earthbound inspired with its humor, but again, I think you'd like quite a bit. Yeah, it's something I should check out. I've actually never heard of it, um, but I something that I like to do since I work with a lot of um, people internationally is I like to just learn about their cultures. And I did this a lot with um, the Japanese culture. So I read quite a few books before I went to Japan um, and then took Japanese language classes as well. But I'm starting to do that with New Zealand. So... Um, as I pick up on like different phrases that people use in meetings, um, I like to to incorporate it into my life. What's a typical New Zealander phrase that you like using? Well, how they start meetings instead of like saying, okay, well, let's get started. They say, let's kick into it. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so I, I typically say that now, like, okay, well, guys, I think we're ready. So let's just kick into it. Um, and they say, instead of like, oh yeah, that's not a big deal. They'll say, oh, no drama there. So <laughs> that's, they're like, I no like drama, no drama. Yeah. That's pretty good. We should probably just transition to like games played moving forward with just saying, all right, let's kick, let's kick into it. Yeah. I wish I could do a New Zealander accent, but I'm, oh, it's amazing. I'm going to spare the, that embarrassment. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Listeners. I can't do it, but no, no. Well, good stuff. I'm glad that you're back for the remainder of the year, but you know that on a short notice, you might be flying out to like Zimbabwe or something you just never know you're you're all over the place with your travels do they have cows there I don't know that's a good question yeah I'm not sure we'll have to check that out when we uh, take a break but for me you know outside of living the bachelor life with our pup Scooby the past couple of weeks I had nothing but time so I figured it was a perfect opportunity to jump back into my YouTube series that I started earlier this year Uh, for those that are listening and didn't know that I have a YouTube channel started back in 2010 Uh, when the YouTube gaming community was alive and thriving. And then sort of like mid-college time frame, 2014, 2015, kind of stopped making videos. And then um, have kind of recently gotten back into the swing of things of creating videos. And one of the things that I started using back in 2010 was a site called Backloggery, where you're able to update and kind of chronicle your video game collection manually. So you kind of add games to this little website and kind of outfit your profile and kind of design it in the way you want almost like a MySpace page, if you will, but for video games. But I really got out of the habit of updating that on a consistent basis around 2018. So I thought, man, it might be cool to update this in real time, showcase my game collection and kind of what it's kind of become and evolved into over the years. Because, you know, after college and when we got married, I really pared down certain consoles to be kind of the, the rusty essentials, if you will. And then other consoles like the PS2 PlayStation 1 that I have 
more of an invested interest in the library and want to continue exploring it more, those collections have grown. So, but I haven't updated my backloggery page. So I thought it'd be fun earlier this year to kind of kickstart that video series with the Nintendo 3DS. It's very kind of podcast formatted where get behind the microphone, play chill music in the background, showcase each game, tell fun stories about it, and update my collection in real time using backloggery. So posted the 3DS video earlier this year, and then all hell broke loose with our house. So it kind of put everything back on the back burner because of that. And because you were gone for like two weeks, I thought, let's get back to it. Posted a poll out there on the Twitter, and it was either the Nintendo DS or the PlayStation 1 of what console I would do next. And almost unanimously, the Nintendo DS won. So I spent about an hour and 20 minutes recently going through my DS collection, showcasing it for everyone, telling fun stories, and it was a great time. So that's kind of what I spent most of my time doing uh, while you were gone. But little call out to the listeners. I've been oddly nostalgic for the PS3, Nintendo Wii, Xbox 360 era recently, largely because I started going through the All Gen Gamers podcast again, which was kind of inspired or at least encouraged uh, of a good friend of the show here, Blink. He's starting to go through that show again, starting from episode one, which I tend not to do. I tend to, when I want to listen to All Gen Gamers and kind of get that fix for their their show back in the day, I, I tend to listen to the same 20 to 30 episodes every year. But he goes back to episode one and goes all the way through. And I'm like, that is quite the Herculean effort, but I figured why not give it a go? But the fun thing about, I would say, listening to any podcast, especially going back and listening to old episodes is it's kind of, you know, it's a very time and place type of thing, right? Especially when video games are at the heart of the discussion. So that podcast was, you know, kind of at its peak in the 2009 to 13 timeframe, which was when the 360 PS3 era was alive and thriving. So all that to say, the next Twitter poll that I'm going to probably put up is going to be the Nintendo Wii or the Xbox 360 for the next collection video that I do. But I'd like to potentially sprinkle in a couple of YouTube videos and not just do collection showcases. So I have some ideas up my sleeve, like some 3D platformer recommendations, because I feel like not enough videos are out there recommending, you know, hidden gem 3D platformers, if you will, certainly on current generation consoles. I know I've talked repeatedly on the podcast that there's just not enough 3D platformers for current gen, but there's a surprisingly good number of them, you know, outside of the Super Mario Odysseys of the world that I love to kind of detail and showcase and and share about on the old YouTube channel. So not really sure what frequency that'll look like or, or what that'll look like at the end of the day, but you and I have talked about doing a channel rebrand, rebrand pretty soon. So um, I'm hoping by the end of the year or early next year, um, I'll kind of rebrand the channel, uh, lay to rest the Ari Lewis 2011 era and introduce whatever new era that that'll end up becoming. I have the name and everything ready to go. It's just a matter of kind of designing that and figuring out where we go from there. I just need to make a graphic for you. Yeah. And we can go from there. Yeah. yeah. Should be it should fun. be good. And so circling back on a comment I made about being nostalgic for the PS3, Nintendo Wii, Xbox 360 era, I feel like that was kind of at its peak, like 
2008-ish, 2010-ish, when, you know, Rock Band and um, Halo 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare were, you know, all of the buzz in the video game industry. But that was 14 years ago, 12, 14 years ago. And at the same time, you know, we were all nostalgic for the N64, NES, Super Nintendo era. But like in 2008, 14 years before that, like the Game Boy hadn't even come out yet, the OG Game Boy. So it's amazing how time flies. But I feel like even now people couldn't look back at the 360 PS3 and say that's retro. But it's like when you were playing Rock Band, weren't you looking back at the Super Nintendo and saying that that's retro? I feel like people nowadays also think like everything 90s is retro. Like there are Halloween costumes now, not just about the 70s and 80s, but of the 90s and 2000s. So makes me feel old. Yeah, well, I I don't know. It's just it's kind of fun to think about, you know, what's where do you draw the line in the sand? Right. Because it's weird to think and I still don't consider like the Xbox 360 era retro. But I think it's fair to say at this point, like PS2 GameCube. Yeah, GameCube's probably retro by it's now. It's kind of retro at this point. I mean, it's my childhood, but and it came out twenty I guess years it's ago. Retro. So I don't I know. Just I just can't believe that it's been that long. Like I can't even believe it's October of twenty twenty two. I know. Time is just flying. I know. Interesting to think about, but but yeah. In any qu- in any case, I'm looking forward to recording more stuff for YouTube. Um, it's just a different flavor of what we do here, and I kind of just have complete creative control. Uh, of what I put up there, which is is always good fun. So well, I really like the setup that you have as well. So you have kind of like a dual camera, so um, the viewers can see your face as you're explaining it, and then also the cover of the games. Mm-hmm. So it's just like downward looking, and you can move it around and um, explain it a little bit better, so they can see the box art and and all of the descriptions. So yeah, it's a nice setup. Well, and the biggest thing with YouTube for me is. Like I always have enthusiasm and excitement for thinking about the ideas and, you know, theorizing about, you know, which games in a potential top 10 3D platformer video that I would do, but actually executing on those ideas and recording the videos and then editing the videos. Like I I love doing it, but actually getting my butt off the couch and sacrificing actual game playing time to make those things is a difficult balance to strike. I mean, it's a lot of effort and then you have to edit it if you need to like pause the video and let's well, that's what I'm out. saying. Like when you're actually the act of recording the video and the editing process, I love, but it's just a just matter of like, I just got to stop playing Assassin's Creed 3 <laughs> right now. <laughs> I've been telling you that. Everyone's been telling me that, yeah. but you know, what are you going to do? But, uh, but speaking of playing Assassin's Creed, let's talk about the games that we have been playing recently and i want you to kick things off today because like i said at the top of the episode you've been playing a game that really caught my eye it's totally up my alley but i haven't quite shoveled over the 30 dollar asking price to play it so what have you been yeah there's a 30 dollar version and then there's a 70 dollar version so i'm a little frugal there are microtransactions involved for those that want to get into that but what have you been playing recently so i needed a new game and Like I said, Switch is my console of choice. So I was looking through the Switch collection. Nothing really stuck out to me like immediately that I was interested in playing. And so I went to the Switch online store. Oh, boy. And I was looking around and I didn't even know that this game existed Mm -hmm. until I went to like popular downloads 
because typically I just go to the ones on sale. But I switched to the popular downloads and something caught my eye called Disney Dreamlight Valley. Mm -hmm. And just for everyone who's not familiar with this, it's basically a Disney version of Animal Crossing Mm -hmm. and mixed with any farming sim that you can think about. So the premise of the game is basically that all Disney heroes and villains like live in one village. They all live happily ever after and it's great. And then there's something called the forgetting that happens. And the leader of like the village just disappears. And basically it all it all goes like downhill um, and everything's covered in thorns. And basically you get dropped into this village. Um, you have a house and you meet Merlin. And he's basically like, I know you don't remember anything at all, but like you have to collect memories and go and and help all the villagers who just happen to be Disney characters. Mm-hmm. Um and basically bring order again. Now, did you get the opportunity to create a character at the beginning of this game, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So it's customizable, and I will say, I don't know if it changes based on like microtransactions, but with my $30 version that I bought, there's like quite a few things that I could customize. Certainly like your hair color, eye color, face of shape of your face, um, what you're wearing. Um, but you end up picking up a lot of things along the way as well. So like different outfits and different like hats. And, um, I have like a little, um, mini mouse backpack now that I found along the way, just like mm-hmm. digging a hole to plant something in. Um, so there's definitely ways to customize your character, um, and then customize the town as you get into it. So you can, basically craft in this game so once you get enough money and resources from um like doing things around town then you can build fences and all kinds of stuff okay and as far as you know is there any kind of gating where you need to pay x dollars or get certain tokens in the game to access more of the story is all of that free as part of the initial 30 dollar buy-in So I haven't run into a part of the game that I can't access without a purchase right now. I mean, I think it's just a lot of grinding to get there. There's definitely, I guess, so what I had to do and what I think everyone has to do, whether you um, pay additional or not, is you have to go around town and find all of the the tools. So you need a fishing rod, like a watering can, a shovel, all of the basic like farming sim tools. And once you find those, there's different things that you need to unlock from like learning to fish and like catching certain types of fish and planting certain types of crops. Um, And then eventually you get enough around town to enter like this castle. And so once you enter Mickey's castle, there's a bunch of locked doors. And so I think what is needed to like unlock all of these are different. They call them like dreamlight. I mean, kind of along. The lines of the title, but yeah. it's basically like little gems that you can collect um, that are called Dreamlight. So you do things around town and you can kind of cash those in for Dreamlight. Okay. But like the next, to open the castle, it was like 2,000 of those. And so to open one door, like an additional door, it's 3,000. And it took me a little while to get 2,000 of them, but I think that's where the microtransactions come in. Yeah. I think you can buy Dreamlight and just start unlocking things. Otherwise, you can do it. It just... Will take a little bit more grinding to get there. So grinding, walk me through what do some of the side quests look like in this game? Are you just like fetching some cookies from Minnie for Mickey in this game? Or like what what are the side <laughs> I've, quests I've actually? I've only look met like? Mickey. I haven't met Minnie yet. Um and I've met Goofy and 
a couple other characters. Hell but, yeah. What's up? <laughs> so I think when I say grinding, it's basically um, like ridding parts of the town from the thorns. So getting rid of those with magic, um, basically trading in the crops that you grow, catching more fish. It's like tasks around town. It's, okay. So very Animal Crossing like in its quests. Yeah. Stuff. It's fairly repetitive, but... I've only played for like five or 10 hours so far, mm-hmm. so I'm not bored, but I also put a lot of time into um, farming sims when I get the chance to, um, so I don't think I'll be bored anytime soon, but I think there's also different ways to get Dreamlight once you're in the different doors within the castle, so I've unlocked one of them, and it's the world of Wally. so basically I have to figure out like how to help him, and within that realm i can like plant different crops and i can like i can craft different things um at his crafting table than i can in my like village oh okay can you bring those recipes back to your home place yeah i can and then i don't know that i can get all of the same crops and plant them in mine i haven't tried that yet Mm -hmm. but like i helped mickey find where he met ratatouille and so like when i was there i found a recipe book so part of the quest too is to like not only have the recipe book, but to start making some of those recipes. So then to do that, I have to plant like different crops. So I think I have to go to different realms and get those ingredients to make certain recipes. So I think it's all going to tie together. Um, I'm just not far enough into to see how it ties together quite yet. Okay. And then last question, I guess I have well, two things I want to uh, mention here. Can you actually get items to outfit your house? Like I'm thinking of, you know, getting Mrs. Potts and Chip as a little tea set in your house. Can you do stuff like that? You saw me playing yesterday. I did. Um, <laughs> and I was wondering, can you get those guys to yeah, hang out so in your house with you? You can get them two ways. So one of them is like similar to the random um, generation of items that comes with like when you can get clothes. So if you like dig up something, um, either you'll see dirt on the ground or like an item and then you can unwrap the item and it's something. So similar to like digging up um, in Animal Crossing when you dig up like an artifact or something. Like sometimes it's just a random item um, that's been buried. And so it's similar to that. But then there's also a little store um, that you have to go to um, like Donald Duck and he helps you um, open Donald the store. Donald or um, Scrooge McDuck? Scrooge McDuck. There it is. Yeah, yeah I figured. Scrooge McDuck. And so he, um, I can't think of his name. But he, anytime money's involved, it's always. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I've uh, had a little too much coffee and not enough sleep. So, yeah, you can you can lead me to some of these. That's answers. literally the only way to record a podcast. Yeah. When I'm all jittery. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he has a little convenience store. And so one of the items, like some of them are just general um, outfits and things, but some of them are very specific Disney like items. So one of them is Mrs. Potts and all of her little teacups. That's fantastic and also very dangerous territory. I See, similar to this next game or this first game that I'm going to be talking about for games played, I feel like the farming sim genre just isn't interesting enough to me unless you put something that I'm really passionate and I love, like, like a, a skin game. over it. And I feel like yeah. this Disney type of experience bakes in the farming and the crafting mechanics of, the, of games that I'm oftentimes not interested in. Kind of gets me more excited and I'm getting big toontown vibes from this yeah and so that's a game that i loved playing in high school um and it does remind me of that except for 
I don't play the online version, but there's different chests around the town um, where you can join online. Oh, really? I, I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't tried to do that yet, um, but I'm assuming you can like sync up with friends as well. And there's oh. also like a daily, this is really dangerous, but like a daily deal. So like if you did want to have in-game purchases, I think they have a deal of the day. So they'll like have a special outfit or different item that you can purchase for your house. Um so they can be dangerous, yeah. but this game strikes me as something that you could hop on and play for like 10 to 20 minutes, get a good fix and back out and you're okay. Yeah. And what's really interesting that I noticed yesterday playing is that the farming portion of it, you don't have to wait like real life days for your crops to like ripen. I've only tried three or four crop types at this point, but they're pretty quick, like minutes. Mm-hmm. And so you can go and water them and you can plant water and harvest in sections so it's not one at a time. You can just hold A and it'll do like multiple sections for oh, you. Okay, nice. And so that helps because I think like people don't necessarily have the the patience or like, I don't know, the desire to wait on crops oh, in couldn't. a game. I couldn't. So that helps a lot. Um, and then it also just like makes it fun. So to get Dreamlight, you can also like take selfies in the game. And so I was goofing off last night before bed and like putting on my little... Uh, Mickey ears and like taking selfies in front of like fishing holes and like different like the pond in the game. Um, yeah, it's so always it a treat fun. for me because like I know you're really invested in a game when you know typically late at night we'll throw on Boy Meets World or some kind of background noise show to kind of tune out to while we're getting ready to go to bed. And I'm playing Pilot Wings Resort on the 3DS because <laughs> that just brings me down super chill, really relaxing game to play before bed. But when you're like poking me and saying, hey, hey, you got to check this out. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> I try not to like spoil too much for you, but there are some things that are just fun to share. And one of those is the music in the game, too. Oh, yeah. So like going into my little home in the game, there's there's an old school radio um, and you can change the tunes, um, like change the station and change which like acoustic Disney song is on. Oh, come on. And it's yeah, it's really good. Um, there's a couple that I think are like older Disney movies that I just didn't recognize the songs. Um, but when Little Mermaid came on. Oh, yeah. My goodness. It is so cute. Um, so it's like then, a different kind of acoustic rendition then. Yeah. It's not just like the regular one with no uh, vocals. It's okay. like a softer, mellow version. Oh, sign um, me the heck up. And then there's certain sections in the village where I'll be running around and like music will play. Mm-hmm. And it's not like necessarily related to any one disney movie but it's just like general peaceful disney related songs well yeah when you went and brushed your teeth last night i totally snagged your 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 switch because i want to run around kind of see what, what the deal was with this game and i jacked the volume all the way up and totally like if you go to youtube and typed ambient relaxing disney music yeah i feel like what that's what this soundtrack is yeah it's like whatever they pump into the theme park too mm-hmm. like as background music. Which so. is perfectly complementary to this type of farming sim Disney experience. Yeah, I loved it. Because there's certain sections of the map too where I'll go and like it won't really have much music or it'll be like little crickets, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. But I definitely prefer the music in the background. Good stuff. So you're not getting too tired. You're enjoying it. Going to keep playing this one? Yeah, definitely. I I don't know if there's like a how long to beat on it yet because um, I still think it's fairly new. Mm-hmm. But 
I know some people have put like 40 hours into it so far. Oh, there's, I don't know. there's people out there that have probably put two, 300 hours. Yeah, I bet. Um, and spent a lot of money too. But mm-hmm. I could definitely see it being like a good before bed or like if we're watching a movie, especially when we get into watching scary movies. I'm not a big scary movie What do you mean fan. we get into it? We're already seven days in October, I girl. know. I'm not a huge... I'm like... I get scared and I have like... I don't sleep well if I watch a scary movie. And so if I can do something else while watching the movie, it helps me a lot. So it like takes my focus away from it. But it's also like this is a mindless game for the most part. See, nothing brings me a sense of peace and comfort than watching the thing right before I go to bed. Yeah. What were we watching the other night? It was like The Rental or something. It's called The Rental. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, it's your typical scenario where a group of friends goes to a cabin. Yeah. And there's some slasher guy kind of hiding in the forest waiting to make his move. Yeah, it's not the cringiest thing we've ever seen. So I'm liking it. We only got halfway through before we were like, we should probably go to bed. Yeah. But yeah, I think I was playing this game while we watched because it was like just enough that I could feel comforted, mm-hmm. but I could still focus on the plot of the movie. But yeah, liking but, it so far. Good stuff. I might have to get this one on PlayStation because running around on the Switch, it was kind of... The frame rate was truck. I will just a say, bit. like loading yeah. too. The loading rate is definitely delayed, um, so that can take some time. Like going into a house or going into the castle, and I think that's switch specific. I think oh, yeah. if you had it on like PS4, PS5, I think it it would be fine. Um, so buyer beware, little PSA. It's unusual for us to make this kind of comment, but the game does run a little slow on Switch chugs just a little bit so yeah you've never heard that before never absolutely not but still not terrible on switch if you're if you're patient with it well what i know is the complete opposite of terrible on the nintendo switch and other consoles is a game you played on your flight to california oh yeah do you want to kick into that or do you want to go through your other recently played? all right you're gonna need to stop right now with the (laughs) new zealand comments but yeah no i i really do because we'll save my games for later I want to get into this experience right now. This is my second time playing it. The first time I played this game was on the Switch back in 2020. I streamed it. I loved it. It's one of the coziest, most wholesome games I've ever played. What did you play on the way to California? So I had a four and a half hour flight out of Sa- out to San Francisco. So I was like, I better play a short hike. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. I don't know how long I put into it. I feel like I dropped the number 45 minutes to you and you were like outraged, but it could have been like closer to an hour or something. Still trying to get over that. I know, but I was trying to gauge it of like, what percentage of my flight did I spend playing this game? And I don't know. Um, But whether it was 45 minutes or two hours, I loved it. Um, I'm a big fan of indie games just in general. And I like short bite games, um, except for farming sims. That's where I can play like 200 hours and be fine. But um, generally I go for like a 10 hours or less indie game. Mm-hmm. If there's a puzzle in it, I'm even happier. So no you boy. and I have like very opposing preferences in games. Opposites do attract. Yep. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I love the music. I love just exploring. Um, it was fun to like collect the feathers and little shells. And so it almost felt like little mini quests as mm-hmm. I went through. Um, But yeah, it was like a collectible game, but without being that intense. Like you could skip any quest that you wanted to for the most part, as long as you collected feathers. If you wanted to like beeline it to the end, but it was fun just like 
hearing how the music changed in each section of the map. Mm -hmm. I really loved that. Um, And like the tone of the music in the game changed as you got like further to the top. Um, Or like if it was winter time or like snowing in a section of the map, it definitely influenced the music. Yeah. So to kind of set the scene for folks that maybe have not played a short hike, the high level plot here is you're visiting your aunt this Hawk Peak little uh, town, kind of an island of sorts. She is the park ranger and you need to get the su- to the summit of this mountain. And you're a little bird, by the way. You're a little bird named Claire. She's adorable. And you need to get to the summit of this mountain to get a cell reception to call your mom. So to your point, yes, you can beeline this game, wander around, collect as many of these golden feathers as you as you possibly can, as quickly as you can. And every time you double jump, you expend a golden feather. So that's basically your stamina meter. And I think you need about seven to eight to reach a certain area where you end up walking up and eventually getting to the top of this summit. But what I love most about a short hike is I think everyone's experience is unique. Um, While there's no like procedurally generated things in the game and ultimately you need to, everyone needs to do the same thing to roll credits how you go about doing that is, I think, a bit different for every person. So I think I roll credits when I stream this game in about an hour and 45 minutes to two hours. Some of that was because I was interacting with chat, really taking my time, trying to understand the finer mechanics of the game. But it's kind of a bird's eye, isometric view. Think graphically, aesthetically, if Animal Crossing came out on the Super Nintendo. Even the characters, their dialogue, and some of the items, the way they look, are heavily inspired by Animal Crossing. But you play this little bird. Her name's Claire. You wander around talking to all these goofy little NPCs. You might have a ram, an elephant, a hippo, an alligator, a frog, whoever it might be. Some of them, they kind of just want to chat you up. Others might give you a little shovel so you can actually dig up and find little coins scattered across the island. And some of them are like really pretty comical. So one of the things that I wrote down um, as I was playing this was there's a rock climbing club and like it's basically in the beginning trying to teach you the mechanics of like how to climb, how to fly, how to dig things up. Um, So it'll teach you those things while you're interacting with people around the island. And so to learn how to climb up the rocks, you like run into this rock climbing club. And so they give you like a really hard time um, about like, do you want to join? And I'm like, oh, like how many people are in your club? And the one bird is like, I think he was a bird also. Um, He was like, oh, there's two of us. And the guy who's like on the rock is like really defensive. He's like, no, we're a much bigger club. We're not just two friends. We're definitely a club. And so like (laughs) he gets really defensive. Um, And I thought it was just kind of cute that they're trying to work in some humor, even though it's a pretty short game. They they really do a good job about the interactions and like you're trying to find like a lost, was it a lost shoe or a lost handkerchief or something in the woods that you're trying to help someone with. But basically there's a couple they, different like mini quests like that. But yeah, yeah, it's like you can interact as much or as little with the surrounding characters as you want. But as you talk to more people, it's just kind of fun to hear uh, the writing in the game. Yeah. One, you know, the other fun thing too, when I beat this on switch, I kind of never went back to it. I, I polished off the the credits and that was about it. But when I got it for PlayStation and played it the second time more recently, I did get the platinum trophy in it because one, it was relatively easy. And two, it was just an actual treat to kind of 
find and collect everything in the game necessary to get the platinum trophy. And so in my original playthrough on Switch, I had talked to someone on this dock that gave you a fishing rod mm-hmm. and kind of taught you the mechanics of the game of how to fish. Mm-hmm. But that was the only time I think I ever used the fishing rod was that initial tutorial. And then I just booked it and kept trying to collect the feathers in order to climb the summit. But in the PlayStation version, one of the trophies is collecting all of the fish to kind of fill out the encyclopedia. Oh, wow. And one of the neat things is there's certain fish only spawn at certain areas around the island. Mm. And so it really forced me to wander around the island, find each type of fish and, you know, keep throwing, you know, um, keep casting the line because I might get the same fish five or six times before I found the one that I actually needed. And I don't know, it's just there's so much about this game and so much to do that I think any person playing it might completely gloss over it or miss it completely because, again, a lot of it's not necessary to actually complete the game. Well, one of the things that I thought was cute is I collected all the shells. um, And at the end, when you give them to the person who asked you to collect all the shells, shells she'll give you a shell necklace Mm -hmm. and so like i thought that was just a cute little touch too of it's not just collecting for the sake of collecting like there's some kind of outcome because you did that a little reward Mm -hmm. yeah for sure but i also thought it was interesting because when you initially played it i remember i think it was when you streamed it um someone told you after the fact that like you didn't catch the wind stream on the way down Mm -hmm. and so i was like very particular about like when I was playing of learning how to fly, learning how to um, change like my angle to figure out like how to do it so that when I got to the top um, and came down eventually, like I could really take my time with that. Mm-hmm. And so I explored all over on my way down. So that was that was a lot of fun too. Yeah. And one of the things you kind of mentioned and highlighted, and I think it's one of the most memorable things about the game is the soundtrack And very unique to this game, especially an indie title. I've never really seen anything like this before, but it's adaptive to the environments that you're in and based on the weather. So right when you start the game and you leave your aunt where she's kind of queued up as the uh, the ranger of Hawk Peak, there's really no music playing. But after walking maybe, you know, 50 to 100 yards, one of the introductory songs begins to play. And it's like that for the entirety of the map as you climb higher up the summit or as you get to certain areas of the island when it starts raining, different songs kind of kick up and start playing, which I, th- I just think is so unique um, to this game and just unique to an indie game experience like this as well. When I thought the actual story itself of like why you're trying to get to the summit, because um, you're not just going on a random hike just for the sake of going on the hike, but it's to get the cell reception to call your mom. And I think like once you get up there and spoilers, you call your mom. um, It's just a sweet conversation that you have with her. So adorable. And I like just wanted to call my mom afterwards. I'm like, hey, are you okay? Like, (laughs) can we hang out? Um, Yeah, it's just sweet. Um, And then at the end too, like your little character, Claire, she says, well, it wasn't such a short hike because you do, you learn a lot along the way and you Mm -hmm. get tired and then you fail when you try to go up the peak and then you have to buy some feathers and from the sketchy guy. And then um, eventually you get there and have this sweet moment with your mom and then explore on the way down. It is really sweet and touching. I I remember vividly when I played it for the first time, I kind of teared up, you know, and, and just happy tears. Yeah, I know? was like on a plane with my mask on and I was like, 
I was like, no one can see me because they can't see my face. You can't see that I'm crying. So it helped. Yeah, a sweet little game. You can get it on all consoles at this point, Steam, Switch, uh, probably Xbox as well. I played it on PlayStation the second time through. Highly recommended. Lauren beat it in 45 minutes. Well, maybe an hour. (laughs) Maybe an hour. I beat the second time through. Uh, Probably took me about three to five to eventually get the platinum. But it's just also a game I feel like you can go back to, wander around the island, find maybe a hole you didn't dug up or dig up the first time and just be treated to the soundtrack because it's it's just so wholesome. It's so cozy and a great game to play around the fall time frame, I feel like. Yeah, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Heck yeah, two gizmo thumbs up. <laughs> but is that all you played? Uh, yeah, those are the, the latest two. The two highlights. Well, good mm-hmm. stuff. I'll kind of rattle through some of the games that I've been playing recently. The first of which we kind of talked about me not being into farming sims, but with the Disney skin over it might be something I'm interested in. On a similar train of thought there, uh, never really been into the Minecraft. Just not been my cup of tea. It's not your thing. I just feel like in a game like that, I need structure. Yeah, I'm the which same way. Which is kind of the opposite of the appeal of it for so many people because it is this open sandbox where you can build and do whatever you want, whenever you want. And that's just not how my brain operates. I think Ryan loves it because there's no structure, which is like counterintuitive to sometimes how he operates as well um but he can just go and like create anything and i think that's really good for him um but i definitely don't see you enjoying games like that no it's not it's definitely not my thing but dragon quest builders i'm playing the second one specifically you still get all of the kind of the fundamental essential minecraft mechanics baked into this experience where you're chipping away at blocks with a hammer you're building up um you know, like a building or a place where you can kind of rest and go to sleep to recover, you know, your stamina and HP. I mean, it really has all the Minecraft mechanics, but a Dragon Quest skin over it. You know, all of the familiar Dragon Quest enemies like your slimes are certainly front and center in the game. At the very beginning of this particular, uh, I guess, Dragon Quest Builders 2, you get to create your own character in Dragon Quest fashion. So you have your Akira Toriyama uh, character designs here and it, there's actually a a storyline that you have to go on and quest to complete a town to explore and a town to really kind of make your own and build up which really is kind of the structure i needed in a minecraft like experience and having such a you know an adoration for the dragon quest series but really haven't had an opportunity to kind of sink my teeth into a traditional Dragon Quest experience recently. Uh, I talked about more recently in my YouTube video, and I've talked about it here in the podcast before, that when Dragon Quest XI came out earlier, or a couple years ago, I played for about 25 to 30 hours, and I don't know, it just, maybe I just was playing it at the wrong time. I wasn't really in the mood for that type of experience. Haven't got back, gone back since just because you know, I've heard horror stories of that game being 80 to 100 hours long, and it just doesn't seem like something I really want to go back to and play right now, but I still wanted to get my Dragon Quest fix. And so I kind of married the two ideas together, not into Minecraft, into Dragon Quest. Let's see if this kind of scratches the itch. And it totally is. Um, I played it for about three to five hours just up until the spooky season started, and I kind of had to put it on the back burner for the horror games, but I'm looking forward to going back to it just because you have the Dragon Quest tunes, 
you have the Dragon Quest character designs, the familiar beasts and enemies that, you know, I've come to love in the Dragon Quest games, except in a Minecraft world. It's just kind of funny that you've been playing that and I've been playing the Dreamlight Valley because it's just like a skin of something that you do enjoy over something that's relatively tedious. Um, But I think I was playing originally Dragon Quest Builders 1. Is that the one I had started? I think so, yeah. But I, I loved the music and the concept for the game I thought was just wonderful. But I love the music, but it just like put me to sleep. Like mm. I'd get 15 minutes in and I just, I'm not someone who takes a nap, but I'd be just passed out. Yeah. So I'm hoping you have more luck with Dragon Quest Builders too. Um, or just don't have the same That's issue. totally understandable. I get it. But uh, no naps on this, you know, no, no naps for me because I'm uh, all too familiar with grinding out eight to 10 hour days at work listening to the Elder Scrolls soundtrack. So um, <laughs> I have to listen to like NF or like something like indie rock music or something to or techno music or techno music to work. Yeah, yeah for I me, I need something really upbeat. I have to listen to my relaxing video game tunes and uh, Dragon Quest certainly fits that bill. And I think if, if I'm not mistaken, they took kind of the greatest hits from the Dragon Quest series and have kind of inserted those songs into both Dragon Quest one or Dragon Quest Builders one and two. Hmm. Um, so if you're if you're a fan of Dragon Quest, but have never like me been able to get into Minecraft, I think it's absolutely worth giving Dragon Quest Builders a try. Or if you're on the opposite end and you love Minecraft, but have never been a fan of Dragon Quest Builders or Dragon Quest the series. I'm doing a horrible job explaining this. Um, definitely give it a try. Just try it. I mean, I really loved the five to 10 hours I put into the first one. You've really loved the three to five you've put into the second one. So certainly worth worth a shot. Yeah. Yep. So enjoy my time with that. I'll definitely get back to that in November. I think it'll be a good game to um, kind of carry me through the holiday season. We're locked in. We can't go anywhere. Throw in a podcast make my way through Dragon Quest Builders 2. It'll be good times. I've got two horror games I'll kind of breeze through real quick. Both kind of just jank to no end. I didn't want to start off with a banger like a Silent Hill or Resident Evil. I figured we kind of work our way up to the AAA horror experiences. So the first game I played was something called Nerved. N-E-R-V-E-D. You can get this on pretty much every console, PC, probably switch i'm not entirely sure but it's a first person horror experience you're out in a forest you're with your girlfriend your paranormal journalist kind of just trying to figure out what odd mysterious things are happening in this forest and like 80 percent of the experience just has you running from one area of the map to the next to collect maybe like an, an axe to be able to unlock or smash some lock in a door at the next house or you know, something that's instrumental for solving some puzzle at the next place you'll go. And all of it kind of amounts to you eventually going to this haunted house where you're kind of going back and forth through time when you go through these mirrors. They're they're basically um, these traveling vessels or traveling machines to go back in the past to kind of right the wrongs of the people that lived there before. Mm. Kind of weird kind of goofy and honestly i laughed out loud more than i was actually scared in the game but i kind of feel like sometimes you need a horror game like that uh to kind of work your way up to the silent hills and, and resident evils of the world it's a good place to start for the beginning of october and it's jank to no end i mean 
It's right up your alley. The girlfriend that you talk to at the very beginning of the game, um, she's not even talking in complete sentences. So I'm not even sure if that's like a, a translation issue, but her face, it, it, it almost looks like some kind of stock um, game development figure of a person. Is that like the her, one that you showed me the other day? Yeah, her it face is like, like not even complete. Distorted. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of distorted and weird. Uh, and that's just kind of a testament to the rest of the game's quality. Nice. Um, but you can beat it in literally, I don't know, hour and a half or less. You'll laugh. Uh, you're not going to get too scared, but certainly the ambience and setting of the game in this dark forest with these creepy crawly dudes that chase after you uh, as you're trying to get to your next destination to, you know, further the game's story uh, leads to some occasional jump scares. And if you want to experience Nerved, uh, at least on PlayStation, that's where I played it. You can get it for $1.99. Well, so, I like the price tag. Not going to break the bank and you'll get a, a, a few laughs and, and get a fun little horror experience, even if it's a bit jank. And then the next game I started with, where I played after Nerve, is something that I've had in my library for a couple of years now, but I just haven't gotten around to playing it until now. And that's Submersed. So as the name might imply, Kana takes place in the ocean underwater. And for this one, you're a Coast Guard paramedic. You're called in to investigate some experiments gone wrong, I'll say, on this abandoned ship. So what you quickly discover when you go there is that it's completely abandoned. You don't know who really called in the emergency about things going wrong. But this group of scientists that were on this ship uh, found this parasite in the middle of the ocean. And as one naturally does as a scientist, you inject the blood of this parasite into sharks. Oh, that's a great idea. And just kind of see what happens. So they, of course, are like ultra aggressive. So the gameplay loop is you kind of get this like submarine suit. You know, you the area you're in fills with water. You open up the door. You kind of go out into the ocean and try and get to the next destination to, again, further the plot. And you have this little dot on the side of your submarine mask that goes from green to yellow to red. And anytime it starts going from yellow to red, you'll know that the great white shark is getting near or closer. So you and I both have a fear of large, dark, open oceans. Mm -hmm. um, how did that play with this game? Yeah, I mean, it certainly didn't inspire me to go out swimming in the ocean. Okay. Um, but... It definitely, uh, yeah, I guess it kind of just- Was that the scary part? Just played into that fear. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically a game of cat and mouse. Just a lot of suspense. Where you're just trying to avoid the shark. And, you know, as you would expect from a first-person horror experience, like your Resident Evils, you're finding all these documents hidden all around the ship that kind of piece together the story that you eventually, again, discover that these scientists were injecting these sharks with the parasite- and it all amounts to you trying to find the parasite and, and put an end to things. Do you ever figure out like what developed the parasite or like how it came to be? Why? No, it was but so you toxic? do see it. It's kind of like a a boss fight of sorts. Oh, interesting. At the very end. Um, so yeah, not something I'd go out of out of your way to play during the spooky season. But I beat this one in about two and a half to three hours. Uh, very Resident Evil inspired in terms of. Um, the setting and you know the environments that you're exploring if you played resident evil revelations on the 3ds which also takes place on a ship definitely similar vibes with that one but we have sharks involved and not zombies so 
Um, so yeah, playing some spooky stuff, uh, all kind of getting me ready to play the real good spooky season horror games here in the near term. Uh, Ryan, I think is going to stop by on Tuesday. We're going to sit down. He's my main, uh, sit on the couch and scream with me horror playing friend. I love that for you guys. And Mm -hmm. typically like, I think it was last year you guys were up in the game room and I was downstairs like making dinner and watching something and I would just hear screams from upstairs. Um, and I love that for you mm-hmm. and that you have a buddy to do that with. That's the best kind of, if you're not screaming out loud, you're not playing a scary enough game during spooky season. That's kind of my I, general rule. I think I just swear. Yeah. I don't think I scream. I think I would just swear. Well, the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. <laughs> you can scream while, while yeah. swearing. Yeah, that is absolutely something. That's definitely what you guys do. That is absolutely something you'll do when you play Resident Evil 7. But looking forward to sitting down with Ryan and playing some spooky season games. But. One thing I do want to say, I'm, I kind of have this journey to 100 platinum trophies mm-hmm. and I've kind of built out the I remaining. I didn't know you were a trophy guy. Oh yeah? That's yeah, news to yeah, you. I think it's news. Yeah. Well, this is How probably the first time. You have? Yeah. You've, you've heard me talk about it on the podcast, but, um, platinum trophies, pretty big fan. I have 86. Nice. Is that like in competition with someone or are you just like you versus you? No, no, not really. I, I tend to keep this to myself. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I'm not really a competitive person, uh, especially when it comes to games and, and trophy collecting. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Hence to be a solo pursuit. But uh, yeah, so I have 86 right now, 14 more to get me to that big old triple digit, 100. And one of them was going to be The Walking Dead. Of course, Telltale's The Walking Dead, the final season. Mm-hmm. All of the Telltale Walking Dead games up to this point just had you playing through each chapter of each game and you naturally unlocked all of the trophies and eventually unlocked the platinum trophy. Well, for whatever reason, they figured they would just completely flip everything on its head for the final season. And there are moments in that game. If you're familiar with the walking dead series, you have to make critical, brutal decisions that alter the events later in the game could be as serious as, you know, choosing whether or not this person dies versus that person. Well, in the final season, it's no different. You have to make critical decisions that have consequences to where your character ends up and paths that you go on. And there are trophies related to each path that you go down. So if you go left, it says, you know, a trophy might be, hey, collect these five things. But if you go right, it says, hey, collect these five things. So you basically have to create save states Go left, create the five things, re-download your save, go right, collect the other five things, or play through the game like two or three times. Some of the worst trophy design is when you have to do those types of things, especially in a game like The Walking Dead, where you're already like, you know, four tissue boxes in, you don't want to have to replay that experience. Well, to me, it just takes the fun out of it, right? If I have to follow a guy to get a trophy... I don't know. That's probably part of the reason I like the Switch is because I don't think about that at all. And I can just play the game for the sheer sense of enjoyment. Well, I wish I had that luxury, but I'm too far gone at this point. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's too late for you. Yeah. But anyways, all of this to say, a couple years ago after the final season came out, they came out with a The Walking Dead, the definitive experience has all of the seasons on one disc. Now, the interesting thing about that is... The Platinum Trophy literally has you just beating all four seasons 
You don't have to collect anything. You don't have to do anything out of the ordinary. Like that final season single game had you do. This just requires you to play through all four seasons, which we are going to sit down and start doing. I think that'd be great. I mean, we've been watching a lot of The Walking Dead. I feel like I've been coming in at like different sections of it because you'll watch it um, without me, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like re-sparked that interest. Yeah. It's like as spooky as I like. Well, and, uh, you know, as part of the top 10 games of the decade that, at least my list, The Walking Dead, I think, was top five for me. Yeah, I mean, I remember you playing through that for the first time and just absolutely loving it. Mm -hmm. But I only saw snippets of you playing. um, And I feel like I helped you make one decision and then, like, someone immediately died. So I just walked away and let you do it yourself. Um, But, yeah, I'm looking forward to You're going to get invested. You're going to love it. Oh, I'm sure. And that's that's where I struggle is because I do get really invested really quickly Mm -hmm. in things that I play and and characters. And so I just don't want to make decisions that... We'll end up killing them. Oh, wait till like we play. Like until dawn, like when you played that a couple years ago and oh, I yeah. helped you, like, I feel like I- Two people just casually croaked at the end. Yeah, I feel like I accidentally murdered like four yeah. people. So pretty bent out of shape about that, but uh, wait till we get to the end <laughs> of The Walking Dead season one. What a, what a harrowing decision we have to make there, but it'll be great. You're going to love it. And if we ever have a daughter, you're probably going to want to name her Clementine. Let me just say that, but- With all that said, that's all I've been playing recently. You kind of briefly talked about it there. I've also been binging the heck out of The Walking Dead. Uh, Stopped around the whole Negan fiasco, as I think many people did, because it was Mm. just too brutal for me. But I've since gone back, started season one. I'm already halfway through season nine, people. Um, I didn't realize you got that far. Yeah, I'm not messing around because the final few episodes are airing, I think, next month. And uh, they're on season 11 now. And then next year, there is a six episode miniseries to conclude the story arcs for both Rick and Michonne. So very pumped about that. Uh, I think I just needed the show to kind of conclude before I could go through it again, because it's not a show I want to wait wait week to week. It's not like Lost where I feel like there's so much mystery surrounding it. Those later seasons, they really drag out. uh, I'm finding and being reminded of now where I feel like the first five to six seasons of The Walking Dead, I think the week-to-week storytelling was actually really rich, and there was a lot that they brought into each episode, and a lot happened, but again, the later ep- uh, the later seasons, it's just a slog. We definitely used to watch that <clears throat> as a family, week-to-week, um, and my mom got super into it, but then we stopped before all the Negan stuff. I think we just got burned out. What season was all of that? Um, that happened? I can't remember. I think end of season seven. Okay. Maybe we made it to like five. Mm-hmm. It just got to the point where it just kept going and going. And yeah, I think we dropped off, but it's been fun to rewatch at least portions of it with you. So. Yeah. Well, we kind of just keep going and going here with the games recently played, but I think it's time for us to get into the main topic. I want to hear about all of the PlayStation 4 stuff that you haven't played yet how you're going to have a newfound love of trophies here pretty soon once you get deep into the PS4 library, and I need to lay my love of trophies to rest so I can start tackling that Switch backlog. What do you say we get into it? Let's do it. All right.
Alright, so we're about an hour and 10 minutes into the show, probably worth reminding the listeners what it is we're going to be talking about here at the tail end as part of the main topic of the show. And what I thought would be fun is to kind of take a look at both our PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch libraries, figure out some games that we kind of have some backlog shame that we haven't quite pulled off the shelf. Maybe we dabbled in here and there at a certain point, but haven't quite rolled credits on. And I know for me, I picked about three to five games for each console. Now, these aren't games that, you know, some of them are, you know, I'm ashamed I haven't played, you know, this flagship title for the console. But a lot of them, too, are just games that, you know what, I just I really want to get around to playing that someday. That's kind of how the that's the angle I took with this. Um, Of course, you can approach this however you want. At the end of the day, these are games that we have not finished for both the PlayStation 4 and Switch that we want to. Yeah, and there's quite a few titles that I, like very popular titles that I just haven't played. Um, I've watched you play a lot of games, and so I don't always feel the need to invest all of my time there. Yeah, makes sense. Um, There's still some big titles that I want to play, but they're not necessarily on my list. Mm -hmm. Oh, good stuff. Well, I guess I'll leave it up to you. Where do you want to go first? PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch? Hmm. Let's start. With the Switch. Okay, yeah, it does make sense to probably save the best for last. I, I, I like <laughs> okay, that. Okay, okay. I will preface this by saying these aren't in necessarily like any particular order, but... Yeah, that's fair. We're just going to roll with it. Let's do it. Okay, well, why don't you kick things off? What is the first game on the Nintendo Switch that's kind of, you know, calling your name? So I downloaded a game on Switch probably five to six months ago, um, and I got really excited about it, and... I actually started it first on the plane to San Francisco before I started a short hike and I literally couldn't get past like the opening screen. I just couldn't figure it out. No. So I really want to get farther, but I feel like I'm just missing a key component of the game. So I need to do that first, but it's called Arise, a simple story. Mm, yeah. So, I've seen this one before. Yeah. It's, I think just like a little puzzle indie game. Um, I think it's about five to 10 hours. Um, but it looks right up my alley, but I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely up there on my backlog. Um, I was going to restart it once I got home, but then I found the Disney game. So I thought, is this the one where you kind of manipulate the environment a little bit to progress your character? Yeah, you do. Um, so you're like this burly man and basically you like find yourself on this like snow peak. And then I think actually I did get past the first little section. So I went to this orb and then it transported me to this like series of islands. And so the first puzzle was basically like changing the height of the water. Um, and so that you could like hop across stones. But if you fell in the water, you died and started over. Mm, so okay. you can like manipulate where the sun is in the map, the water levels. And so I'm trying to figure out if if that's the only puzzle dynamic or, or how deep they'll get into um, some of the mechanics of the game. Okay, kind of sounds a little familiar, like uh, Old Man's Journey. Yeah, and that's what it reminded me of, just like simple puzzle platforming. And so I loved Old Man's Journey. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got those vibes, so it got me excited about it. Okay, good stuff. I like the choice. I don't really have any indie-related games on here, but um, but I like the choice. Yeah, got to throw one in. Great place to start. So for me, we're kind of coming off the heels. We didn't talk about it. Probably a great time to interject this. The Super Mario Brothers movie trailer, the kind of teaser released yesterday. Yeah. And 
when they originally revealed the casting, you know, Chris Pratt is Mario, uh, the girl from that chess series on Netflix is playing Peach. Yeah, it's a stacked, like, audio voiceover cast. Yeah, no, for sure. You got Jack Black playing Bowser, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, uh, Michael Keegan Key is playing Toad. <laughs> like, come on now. Um, I'm super pumped. When they showed the original casting, especially Chris Pratt as Mario, everyone else I thought was pretty well casted. Um, I was excited. And then coming away from that trailer, I'm ecstatic. Like, I'm really excited to watch this movie. It looks like a great production value. I didn't hear about it until you showed me the trailer yesterday, and it looks adorable. I think they're going to do a really good job. And I'm typically not someone who gets really excited about, like, I have to see this movie in theaters, but this is one I'd like to see there. Me too. Um, It wasn't over the moon about Chris Pratt's Mario, but I also wasn't as, like, been out of shape as a lot of people were too, because... He literally said all of seven words, and this movie's probably going to be anywhere from an hour and 30 minutes to an hour and 45. So I imagine his voice will kind of start to grow on people as the movie goes on. Yeah, I just think he's overcast a little bit right now. In oh, movies, I completely agree with you. He's in everything. I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm interested to see what he does with it. Yeah, should be good. But with all of that in mind, this is kind of like the one next to Breath of the Wild, which is not on my list. I'm sorry, people. Yes, I'll get around to it someday when the weapons don't break. This is kind of like the flagship Nintendo Switch title that I've yet to play, and that's Super Mario Odyssey. Big 3D Mario fan. Galaxy is probably my favorite in the series, but I've played about an hour or two of Mario Odyssey, and it was one of those things where I wasn't quite in the mindset to go deep into that game, and so I immediately shelved it because I'm like, nope, I, I need to give this game its fair time and fair attention because it's certainly deserving of it incredibly polished from what i've seen inventive level design wonderful soundtrack all the bits and bobs you'd expect from your 3d platformer mario games but i have yet to roll credits on this one so um i got the switch charging now i'm actually looking forward to probably digging deep into this one maybe behind the scenes you know when i'm playing the resident evils and, you know, Silent Hills of the World, I kind of need to come down with some pilot wings and Mario Odyssey, I think. It'd be night. a good before bed game. Yeah. So I'm excited um, for you to play the Switch again. Anything on the Switch. But this is a great choice. Yeah. You know, I've talked about it before that I feel like the Switch gets the most playtime when we're traveling. Oh, yeah. And we typically bring the dock too. Oh, yeah. We got to get, come on now. We got to play some Super Mario Party All Stars. I mean, it's not just for on the plane, it's, or in the car, it's, also, once we get there, mm-hmm. so yeah, it travels well. Yeah. So Super Mario Odyssey, get at me, people. I know I should have played this by now, but uh, better late than never. I'll get around to it eventually. So relax. Well, definitely a good choice. I'm excited to see what you think of it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of pathetic um, or maybe just, you know, really kind of part of my personality that I've played all of these horribly unpolished jank 3d platformers you know among a variety of consoles whether it's playstation switch steam xbox and you know i'm casually just sleeping on super mario odyssey but i still go back to super mario sunshine every time but they call me ari lewis 2011 for a reason folks. <laughs> so so well good nice first pick yeah so what do you got uh number two here number two i feel like i always say it wrong uh Sayonara. Wild Hearts. Sayonara Wild Hearts. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this, I feel like I saw- oh, Hold on. Do you hear that? 
Do you hear that? That's Blink screaming and leaping for joy in the background. So he's how I found this game initially. So I think, was he streaming it or how did we, what's this? Nope. There's my dad calling me like he always does. We'll get back to him. It's crazy how it's like clockwork every time you record. I know. Anyway, um, was he streaming this? Is that how we found it? No, as far as I know, uh, I think Blink has told the tale before on a podcast somewhere, but he talked about he had a bunch of friends over that were just completely mesmerized when he was playing this game. Mm. And he's probably talked about it on IndieQuest in some form or fashion because the soundtrack is typically, they kind of talk about this game hand in hand, the soundtrack, the music, because it's it's so instrumental to the experience right. uh, in Sayonara Wild Hearts. But, but yeah, tell the good people, what's this game about? Yeah, so I think it's only like two to three hours. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but it's basically like, I, I want to say it's what, like Guitar Hero, but with like better music. Right? Yeah, it's this very psychedelic like experience where you're on almost a Tron like motorbike from what I've seen and you're playing through like this indie rock-ish concept album. Yeah, that sounds way better than how I would describe it. Mm. But where I struggle with games is I typically am doing something else while I'm playing the game. Synth indie. It's it's very like synth-like, yeah. So I tend to not listen to all of uh, the music in games. Criminal. Yep, we talk about this it's, often. You give me a really hard time about it. But like if I'm watching a movie or something, I'll have like maybe the volume on, but it's pretty low. And so I want to save this one until I'm fully invested and it's my sole focus. So I can really get the most out of headphones to on, music. lights off. Yeah. And like maybe I'll steal your noise canceling headphones and just get lost. Um, but that's what I really need to play this game and do it justice. So that's what I've been waiting for. Excellent choice. Um, yeah, this is one that I definitely need to get around to as well. Yeah. And we have a physical copy. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good pick. I love it. Uh, well, you're really hitting all the indie titles. Yeah. I guess I didn't. Well, the next one is not. So, okay. Well, you're making up for me with uh, no indie titles. My number two, uh, still on the Mario side of things, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Oh, I loved that game. Did yeah. I play it last year or was it the year before? Maybe 2020 for you. It might have been 2020. I did a lot of gaming in 2020 during yeah. the pandemic. I, I mean, I this just seems that. like such a weird amalgamation of the you know, Ubisoft Rabbids and the Mario characters in an XCOM-like tactical, almost Fire Emblem-like um, tactical strategy game. Yeah, it's like a much simpler version of Fire Emblem mm-hmm. because I couldn't really get into that game quite as much. But yeah, this this one I loved. I think I put like a good 30 hours into it. Mm-hmm. So. It, so speaking of that, it's a pretty beefy lengthy game yeah i don't know like what how long to beat says about it but i think it's about 20 to 25 so if you spend 30 well well it was also two years ago i'm not quite sure but yeah my perception of how long i play on games is typically skewed Mm -hmm. um but yeah definitely like if you really go back and and play through it and there's a lot that you can like run around and like a couple little collectibles you can find so yeah i loved it yeah, I mean, it, it definitely tries to, you know, mirror the XCOM mechanics, but in the XCOM games, there's permadeath. So if your character dies, they die forever. Of course, in Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Yoshi is not dying forever. Well, let's hope not. If they did, I'd write someone a letter. They'd yeah. do it for me. But, but um, it's, it's like a nice strategy game, but still relatively like simple. Yeah, newcomer friendly for sure. So I'm looking forward to getting around to this one, especially because the sequel is coming out either this month or the next 
And our boy Grant Kirkhope composed the soundtrack to the first game, and he may have helped with the second as well. Okay. Yeah, definitely play that one first, and then we'll have to look at getting the second one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, what do you got? Do you, well, actually, do you know well, if the second one, is it just like new maps or is it a new concept? No, it's it's a full-fledged sequel, yeah. Okay, okay. It's called like the Sparks of Hope or something like that. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. But uh, what do you got at number three? Number three. So I've been wanting to play this for a while. And when I was like big into the Instagram gaming world, this was like all anyone would post about the Switch and spooky season um, every fall. But I never got around to it. And you mentioned it the other day. So maybe we have it, but I guess I just haven't seen it. But it's Luigi's Mansion. Oh, the third one. The third one. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the first two games on the 3DS. Okay. The first, obviously, kind of a remaster port of the GameCube game. Okay. The second Dark Moon was made for the 3DS. Scooby's doing his shakes in the background. And then Luigi's Mansion 3 was, you know, built from the ground up for the Switch. But yeah. no, we do not have that. That's like one of the... Do you have it downloaded? Is that how you said you were going to play it? Or you just wanted to get it? No, I pulled down Luigi's Mansion 1 and 2 for the 3DS. I brought oh, those games down to potentially play before play bed. Okay, because we're in spooky it. season. Yeah. After all. Yeah. But I've... I've seen so many posts and like screenshots of different like gameplay of it for the third one for the Switch. And I've just always wanted to play it, especially this time of year. The first Luigi's Mansion is terrific. I mean, uh, a launch title for the GameCube, such a strange game to launch the system with. Uh, And I've said this so many times on this podcast, but the GameCube was just such an experimental era for Nintendo uh, to launch that system without a... 2D or 3D Mario game, I felt like was such a risk. They took a risk with Luigi's Mansion. Um, I absolutely love that game. It's a short, tight-knit little five to six hour game. Uh, I have yet to play the sequel, but dang, I'm just so happy that Luigi has gotten three games in that series. Yeah. And I've heard the third is also one of the, if not the best game in the series, it's, it's up there. Yeah, we definitely need to get it. I think it would be worth getting it physically as well. You don't got to tell me twice. Girl. <laughs> yeah. Not much convincing there. Yeah. Good pick. I love it. Although I would encourage you to play through at least the first game on the 3DS. Well, maybe we can start that since we already have it. Yeah. Kinda After I get my through my. Yeah. At night. Or I can, or I can play it. Or you can play once it. Once I get through my Disney game. Good stuff. Okay. Well, uh, my third Switch game is something that I believe came out last October and that is Metroid Dread. Ooh, good pick. We have that one too. We do. I don't have a extensive history with the Metroid series. Played the first Prime on the GameCube, the third Prime on the Wii. I uh, never played two. And um, Metroid Prime Hunters on Nintendo DS and Metroid Fusion hmm. on the Game Boy Advance, which was phenomenal. Uh, And that's really the only Metroidvania type game in the series that I've played. And Dread, I feel it kind of goes back to those roots quite a bit. And graphically speaking, I mean, this game looks unbelievable. And I started this one and it's actually the first Metroid game that I've played, um, surprisingly enough. But I loved it. I think I got, what, 10 hours in? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, It's just brutally hard. So there's not like, well... If I'm remembering correctly, there's not like different difficulty levels. And so it's just 
one for everyone. And I really struggled with the later sections of the game. Well, it's uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like a couple months back during a Nintendo Direct, they introduced like a God mode, which is like ultra hard. Hmm. And they also introduced like a casual mode, okay, which would probably be a little bit newcomer friendly. Is for that yourself. like a refresh for that specific game, or like on a remaster? No, it's just version. a patch. Okay, they just patched in an update well, where you have two new difficulty modes. Yeah. So. Because it's it's a great game, and I really enjoyed my time playing it. But yeah, it got to the point where I was doing the same thing like ten different times or twenty different times to get to the next portion. And I just. Got a little frustrated with that. Yeah. One we both need to get back to. Uh, also, shout out to Metroid Other M on the Nintendo Wii. Uh, I think I got that for $4.99 new at Best Buy when it was discounted back in the day. And I had a good dang time with that Metroid game, even if the hardcore Metroid fans out there weren't really big about it. But um, decent enough. Decent enough. I think it gets more hate than it's deserving of. But that's maybe just my uh, my noob Metroid opinion. Good pick. But do you have any honorable mentions or do you have a four or f- fourth or fifth pick? Um, I actually just had three. I mean, there's still a lot of games that we have on the, the Switch shelf downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay. those are the three I'm looking forward to playing this this year, hopefully. My only other honorable mention is just one of the many farming sim games we have on the Switch. Which one are you looking for? I don't know. That's my point. I don't know which one I should go, where I should start. And... More about that towards the tail end of the episode. Okay. Well, I can definitely brainstorm some because I'm all about that. I know. I know. I mean, there's a reason we have like nine of them on our shelf. Yeah. So. Maybe more. I have a couple downloaded too. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. All right. We got, you know, a nice taste of the Switch games we want to play. I got Super Mario Odyssey, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Metroid Dread uh, in my corner. You've got Arise. A Simple Story. A Simple Story. Sayonara Wild Hearts, mm-hmm. and what was the third and final? Luigi's Mansion 3. Man, the Switch has some pretty darn good games in that library, and we just need to uh, start tackling the backlog. We just need to have more time in the day. Well, yeah, we could all probably use more of that, but uh, yeah, we're going to have to find a way to squeeze these games in someday. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's get to that PlayStation 4 library, and what do you say I kick this one off? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the PlayStation 4, I've played... It's been the primary console of choice, probably dating back to around 2017, 2018. Multi-platform games I get on PS4, pretty much anything that comes to Switch, uh, especially in the indie space that, you know, nine times out of 10 comes to PlayStation later on. That's just my console of choice. It's also led to my demise with my, you know, obsession with PlayStation trophies, but another conversation for another day. Number one on my list is a game that I've started twice. I feel like I keep plugging away at it, putting in a few hours here and there, and I still to this day do not understand why Ben Studios thought that this game needed to be 60 hours long, and that is Days Gone. Oh, yeah. I've seen that on Switch too, right? No, Days Gone is a- Is it exclusive? PlayStation exclusive. Okay. Maybe I've just seen it as you scroll the store. You're probably thinking of a different game, but this is kind of- pitched as Sons of Anarchy meets The Walking Dead. Oh yeah, I'm definitely thinking of a different game. Yeah, so you play as this guy named Deacon. The game kind of starts in the story where it's in the midst of a zombie outbreak. Mm -hmm. This team of operatives basically takes your wife away and you then go with your buddy years later 
months later, whatever the time frame is, the time jump, you try and figure out if your wife is still alive. You go to the facility she was taken to. It's been overrun by zombies. So you're led to believe that she's probably dead. And the rest of the game is you going from different outposts, doing different missions and side missions, trying to discover your wife's whereabouts. So listen, I'm not the smartest guy out there, but if I had to guess, he ends up finding his wife at the 60 hour mark. She's still alive. There's probably some scuffle that goes down and the good guys win at the end of the day. So it's a little puzzling to me and I don't even like puzzles that this game is 60 hours long, but I feel like this is one that I still want to see to completion because I am a fan of the gameplay loop where, you know, you're going to these different outposts, you're scavenging for resources, you're avoiding these hordes of zombies. That was one of the main topping point talking points when this game was first revealed that you have, you know, dozens and dozens, if not a hundred zombies on screen at any one time. And they're not like the walking dead zombies that kind of creepy crawl their way. These things are running, you know, at lightning speed chasing you. And, you know, they're kind of bragging rights with that was that, you know, it's rendering all these zombies on the screen at one time. And how far did you get when you initially played through it? I'm about 10 hours into the game. Um, but it's just not one of those things where I feel like the story is compelling enough to like just one more hour, just one more hour. Like they're not telling a last of a story here. Yeah. They're telling, you know, a tale as old as time, you know, zombie outbreak, you lose your significant other, go out and try and find if they're still there. Speaking of significant others, that was uh, our first dance song at our wedding. Tale as old as time. time. Way to bring things back. I like it. Yeah. Disney got to loop it all in. Yeah. But yeah, Days Gone, I want to beat this one. I want to roll credits so badly. I think it's just one that I'm going to keep chipping away at for years to come. Well, especially this winter when you have like nothing to do outside and just get like a nice cup of cocoa or something and sit and play. Definitely. And you know how I roll. Anytime I'm consuming some type of, you know, movie franchise, TV show, whatever it is, I just have to consume as much of that particular genre as possible. Oh, yeah, I know. And so I feel like Days Gone is very much like a great game to play alongside binging The Walking Dead. Yeah, I feel like you, just from what you've described, you need something going on in the background for that one. Just oh, yeah. to keep you engaged. This oh, yeah. is not something that would take your full attention. Trust me, I got my boy Pete Door queued up. You're going to have like six more monitors, TVs, screens, tablets going just to keep you entertained. We'll get through it someday, but probably not before you play this first game on your PlayStation 4 list, which is... <laughs> um. So, yeah, I have a couple here. I'll start with the one indie game on the sheet because I've actually put more indie games on this list than I initially intended to, Um, but I have to put this one on. It's Song of the Deep. Oh, yeah. So, I bought this one when we went to a little game shop in Arizona in 2020 at the same time that I bought Life is Strange. And so I had no, what I wanted to do walking in this little game store was just to not look at my phone and not look at the reviews and just read the back of games and find what was interesting to me. And this one stuck out and then Life is Strange. And then at the end of it, I went up to you and I was like, what do you think of these two? Should I get them? Are they worth it? Do you know anything about them? And the answer was obviously yes to both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Life is Strange, but I never got around to Song of the Deep. I think I was playing a similar like underwater kind of indie game at the time. Absu. I think it was, yeah, I played Abzu and then I played 
coral. Oh yeah. Um, at the same time. So it's kind of, I mean, both of those were on the switch as well. So I think I was just kind of tapped out for underwater adventures. Um, but I really want to get back to this one. I've started this one and I too need to go back to it. It was developed by Insomniac Games or at least published by them. Yeah. Um, which of course, Insomniac Games, Spyro, recently Marvel's Spider-Man, the Ratchet and Clank series, things like that. So this is a very uncharacteristic game of them. But it's of still them. considered an indie game, right? Or is oh, yeah. it not? Okay. I mean, I would consider this more of an indie game, and that's why I'm thinking- I like it, so that's probably why. Maybe Insomniac published and another team developed. Mm, it's kind of what I'm thinking. Sense. But you play as like almost this little submarine, and I mean, how would you describe this game? I don't know. I've actually never, I've never even started it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from the looks of it, you're like this little like woman in the submarine, and I don't really know what the mission is, um, but I'm excited to find out. Apparently, it's supposed to have a really great soundtrack as well. So if you're into a 2D side-scrolling, almost shoot 'em up but much more exploration-focused, mm-hmm. there aren't like hundreds of enemies and millions of bullets on screen. It's very much you're the submarine exploring the deeps of the ocean, great music's playing while you're doing it, and you're trying to solve, I would assume, some type of mystery to progress the story. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Do you know how long it is? This one, I wouldn't think it's more than five to ten hours. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, a game like this that would cross the 10 hour mark, I feel like would overstay its welcome a bit. Yeah. But yeah, small bite. Great choice. Great choice. Um, well, my next one is kind of a two for one special. Uh, both are developed by team eco. We have the last guardian in the shadow of the Colossus remake. I almost put the last guardian on my list. I was over there scoping out your game shelf. I don't know if I've talked about this much on the podcast before, but I'm not too big of a fan of Eco. I certainly appreciate other people's love of the game and I think what it did for game developers in terms of inspiring them, you know, telling story and just, you know, Neil Druckmann, notably, you know, uh, the director of The Last of Us has has said many times that he looks back at, at Eco as being a very influential game for him. And doing something different. And that's why, or partially why, he wanted to tell a different kind of story with The Last of Us. So I'm glad that mm-hmm. there are developers nowadays that they played something like Eco back in the early 2000s. And it inspired them to want to create and do something much different than the, what the games industry had seen at this point. But the act in, of actually playing Eco just wasn't really fun for me necessarily. Probably because it's, it's pretty heavy or puzzle heavy focused. But... Um, I still have such an appreciation for that trilogy of games, even though I feel like I've admired them more from a distance. Watching my friend speedrun Eco the past couple of years, hearing Mr. Pete Dore talk about The Last Guardian being his number one game of the past decade. Um, I think some of that has to do with how long it took for that game to actually come out. And, you know, growing up watching my buddy Scott play Shadow of the Colossus on the PS2 um, never actually getting a chance to play it myself until uh, a couple of years back. I think in 2020, I started to play through Shadow of the Colossus, the remake with Ryan on the PlayStation 4. And I really have no excuse for playing, not playing that game to completion. But um, all of this to say, I think they're just two very significant, different games that, you know, uh, Ueda just, he creates experiences like no one else does. And I feel like that's why I really need to polish these off the backlog, roll credits, and finally understand why people hold, especially Shadow in the Colossus, 
Shadow of the Colossus in such high regard and better understand why Pete chose Last Guardian as his favorite game of the last decade. Well, maybe we can do this one together, or at least I can play one of these games and watch you so mm-hmm. that I can still at least get the feel for it because I've been wanting to play it too. They seem, especially The Last Guardian, I feel like it could be very much your type of game. Yeah. No, it looks great. I just, yeah, I struggle with PlayStation games, just sitting down and, and doing it. I need to have something else up. You'll get there. You'll get there. Well, now that I have full access to the PS4, since you have the PS5 to play with, um, yeah, I need to start some of these. Well, speaking of starting these, what are you going to start next? What's your number two? <laughs> uh, the next one on the list, I was inspired when I saw you play this recently, but Pac-Man World Repack. Oh, heck yeah. I just, it was so fun and like mesmerizing to watch you play this game. Um, I know you went back to like certain puzzles over and over for the Platinum, but I just love puzzles and it's such like a simple way to play, but it reminds me of like, there's a, it's like a brewery slash um, arcade that's near us. And every time we go, like I always seek out the Pac-Man games because they're just, it brings me back to like a simpler time um, of just going to the arcade. Um, Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I just, I'd like to play that sometime soon. Great choice. It's a little uh, 3D platformer. It's more, there's a lot more 2D platforming going on here. And I would even liken it more to like a 3D Mario world or Mario 3D world than I would um, like a Banjo-Kazooie collect-a-thon type of 3D platformer. But still a great time nonetheless. It's a remake of the PlayStation 1 game. And I just don't think we give Pac-Man enough credit for some of its um, spinoff titles. One being Pac-Man World and the other being Miss Pac-Man Maze Madness, which kind of in a similar way has some 2D, 3D platforming bits, but um, I loved that game on the PlayStation 1. You can also get it on N64, but I just don't think enough people talk about some of those spinoff Pac-Man games. This one, I think, is a little bit more of a fan favorite because, I mean, it got remade for current generation consoles, but they're good fun. Do we still have Miss Pac-Man on PS1? Yeah, I think I have it on both PS1 and N64. Might have to revisit that then too. Yeah, it's it's really good times. That's a great choice. And that's that's when you can pop in, no stress, hanging out, you know, breeze through a couple of levels. And um, yeah, it just makes for a good game to play on the weekend. And I think it's something that will help get me into the PS4 more because if I try to start too big, I think I had started like Last of Us and I just, I just put it down um, because I love watching you play it, but I think it was a little too much for me. Yeah. That's a great call out. I need out, like a, I need a gateway game. Ease yourself in for sure. And that, you know, it's interesting you make that comment because this next game on my list, I think is more of a introductory type game of a genre that I'm normally not used to playing. So I know when you kind of first got uh, full reign of the PlayStation 4, you try to jump into Horizon Zero Dawn, right? And for you, that's not overly familiar. At least you don't play a lot of like open world type games, mm-hmm. kind of a difficult game to kind of jump right into well that one i had a lot of fun with just because there was a map available but i probably got maybe 15 to 20 hours in i don't know and then i just stopped Mm -hmm. i just struggle with the lack of structure yeah well my point in saying that is you know for me the three genres that i tend to play most are like the open world type of games with plenty of side quests action rpgs and 3d platformers yeah 
one of the genres that I very rarely touch, if ever, is the visual novel. Mm, yeah. The 3DS, the PlayStation Vita were full of them, but I just never really got around to playing some of those more notable visual novel games because it's just not really my cup of tea. Not something that when I think of video games, I think, oh my gosh, I just want to sit down and read endlessly. Yeah, I haven't really gotten into those. Pages of dialogue when I could probably just pick up a book. But I know that some of these visual novel games are actually really good and tell really compelling stories. And one I just hear nothing but good things about is 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, Aegis Rim, however you pronounce that. This is a game developed by Vanillaware. So if you've played stuff like Dragon's Crown or Odin's Sphere, they're known for just really artistic, um, graphically, you know, aesthetically just really interesting art style. But I don't think they've ever really had a visual novel type of game. And from what I've heard, a lot of people compare the story to Lost, the TV show. I've I've gone through that TV show five times at this point. I don't think they they make comparisons to Lost because the main cast of characters are on an island. But from what I understand, there are there is a pretty significant cast of characters. So there's a lot of you know different story bits that you're kind of juggling to understand at any given time in a similar way to Lost, and it goes pretty deep and heavy into the sci-fi stuff. So um, Vanillaware, visual novel, Lost themes. Totally sign me up for that. Hmm. I've actually never heard of this one. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have heard of it either if, you know, I didn't have friends like uh, Blink and Devil May Pie and some of the other folks that play these types of games pretty regularly, but uh, that listen to the show. But but yeah, no, it, it looks something that's completely out of my comfort zone and, you know, definitely not a genre that I typically go to. But I think it's important to kind of, you know. Stretch your limits a little bit. That's right. Maybe you'll throw in an indie game or a puzzle game in there. I've been doing pretty well with the indie game stuff in recent years, but but yeah, 13 Sentinels is one that, yeah, wouldn't ordinarily go out of my way to play. Well, I'm glad you're expanding your list. That's right. But uh, what else do you have on your list? Um, The next one I have, I have been wanting to play this game since I watched you play. So there's definitely a theme with that. Um. But Sack Boy, a big adventure. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it looks adorable. Yeah, so this is a um, this is a PlayStation Five title in a similar way that the the Pac Man game is. But I'm not going to fault you for that because they're interchangeable here. You can get these games on PlayStation Four as well. But, I'm just going to have to steal your PS Five for a minute. Well, when you that, go back and you play the Switch games, I'll just oh, I'll just hop on oh, the okay. PS5. Yeah, we can find a way to make it work, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, this game is so good. It's so cute, and like all the different ways. That you can dress him up too, and like he just looks adorable. And I think it kind of, maybe rightfully so, kind of got overshadowed with some of the other launch titles, um, and the PlayStation Five, and then shortly thereafter we got Ratchet and Clank: A Rift Apart. And so mm. I just don't think enough people played Sackboy: A Big Adventure. Plays very similar to Mario 3D World as well. I know I've already made that comparison. They kind of pitched it as being a 3D platformer. Sackboy game when some of the earlier um, little big planet games in the series were more 2D platformer focused. What was so mind boggling about this game were the number of levels that had licensed music in it, like Bruno Mars levels of licensed music. And the entire level design was kind of built around with the actual theme of the music, which was just so wild, but such a delight. 
and definitely unexpected. Yeah, it seems right up my alley. So that's probably one I'll be playing this winter. And also one that you and I can play co-op. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Co-op or like pass the controller? We can play through the entire game together. Oh, let's do that. Yeah. One of the ones that I was thinking about, about too, that's on my honorable mention list, but I'll throw in here is um, It Takes Two because we started it together and I loved the writing. I loved the puzzle functionality in it, but we never finished it. Mm, Yeah. So need to get back to that. It's on the list. Okay. Good stuff. Do you have any other PlayStation games on your list? I have one more and then, yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, I'll mention uh, my two honorable mentions here. Those first three, um, I never really, I really don't have any kind of a rating for all five of these games. I want to play them all. I have plans to play all five of them. But the first of which is a game called Control. So if you're familiar with Remedy, the team that developed the Max Payne trilogy, and also a little bit more recently, Alan Wake, I don't really know a whole lot about this game outside of you play as this woman who has kind of these psychokinetic powers. You're running through this building in kind of a Metroidvania-like fashion. I think you can kind of go through the story or at least this building in a little bit of a nonlinear way. You unlock new skills along the way. You unlock certain areas of the building later on that you can kind of back travel to, um, maybe explore a little bit more, find collectibles. I'm not really sure what the gameplay loop is. All I know is that it looks like this lady can like just completely wreak havoc with some of the powers that she has. And I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Remedy's prior games. And I know some of the people that listen to this podcast are huge, huge fans of Control. So definitely looks up my alley. Looking forward to playing this one. Just haven't quite gotten around to it. And then the final game, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain and kind of Ground Zeroes is part of that dual pack definitive edition. I've talked a number of times about how I've never really been able to get into the Metal Gear Solid series. And I just... I don't want to play that original game. I personally think it's a time and place thing. To me, it's difficult to go back and play the original Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation 1. So I just kind of want to start somewhere. I'm probably going to eventually just jump in with Metal Gear Solid 5. I mean, listen, people, I'm never going to understand what kind of story Kojima is trying to tell in a similar way that I still don't know what the heck's going on in Kingdom Hearts. And I'm the biggest fan of that series that I know. So... I got to jump in somewhere. I feel like the open world of Metal Gear Solid 5 is more up my alley than maybe some of the earlier games. I feel like this would really kind of be my entryway into the series and I might get a little bit more interested in playing some of those earlier games. But um, again, I don't see myself coming around to this one anytime soon, but I got to eventually play through this series. I feel like I have to. Those both sound like great picks. I actually have not played either of them. Um, Control sounds like it's a little bit more up my alley than Metal Gear Solid. Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on them. Yeah, maybe someday down the line. But do you want to mention any other picks or are you about tapped out for today? I have one more. Okay. um, That you've been encouraging me to play for a while now and I haven't yet. uh, But that's Marvel's Spider-Man. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so I have shied away from playing this game just because I get motion sickness and I feel like this will accelerate that. Um, but it just seems like a game that I would fall in love with. So I feel like I just need to eat some crackers, sit in one spot and then just jump right in and uh, pardon the pun, but just figure it out. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd I think I'd really love it. Yeah. 
I've played through the game three times, actually, originally on PS4, PS5 remastered, and then when I wanted to do some trophy cleanup, I played through it again on Ultimate Difficulty. So I'm a big fan. I think the final act of that game, there's kind of the storyline split into three parts. The final act is phenomenal. Um, Yeah, Insomniac really nailed the web slinging mechanic in that game. You feel like you're Spider-Man, and I cannot wait for Spider-Man 2. It's going to be so, so good. But I think that's a pretty good list for both of us, for both the PS4 and the Switch. Yeah, we just have to get to playing these now. Yeah, we do. We definitely got to get to work. And I would encourage everyone listening, you can write into the show at Podcast at gmail.com. Drop us a note. Let us know what some of your shameful backlog games on PlayStation, Switch. Heck, you can even talk about your Steam library. Um, just know that we... We, we can choose whether or not we want to read those emails because I'm sure some of you have hundreds of games in your Steam backlog that you've yet to touch. But want to thank everyone so much for listening. want to thank you for joining me on this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I did want to ask you real quick. You had mentioned Farming Sims earlier. Is that something you still want to talk about? It is. So a couple quick things as we kind of close out the show here. As I said, hope it found you well. Hopefully it was entertaining. Maybe you got a good laugh or two. Maybe you got some good gaming recommendations for either the PS4 or the Switch, but looking into the near term, yes, farming sims, I don't have a whole lot of experience with them. You do, but I figured let's mix it up a little bit. Let's continue to have the Otaki Brothers guest revolving door continue to rotate. Let's get someone else in the seat over there. Yeah. Good friend of the show. Zach Archer, he records the Tarkaron show over on the YouTubes with our good buddy Chronolink91, and he's the biggest simulation game in general fan that I know. Not just farming sims, but just general simulation games. So I hit him up and I said, yo, would you want to maybe come on the podcast? You can bring your top five simulation games to the table, kind of coach me up a bit, and I can do a little bit of research on my own leading up to that episode with my top five simulation games that I want to play. Oh, yeah. I feel like it'll be really interesting to hear his perspective, too. I mainly play farming sim games. Um, I never really got into sims in high school um, or middle school, but I know you used to play that when you were young. Um, But yeah, looking forward to hearing that discussion between you guys. So that'll be good times. And then uh, another PSA. So... It's the spooky season. We're in the October month. You know we got to do some type of Halloween special. So I'm going to get behind the mic by myself. I'm going to put my DJ hat on, whatever those look like, and we're going to be doing the Memory of Melodies segment, spooky season edition, but also Otaku Brothers community edition, okay? So I'm going to need everyone to pull open their phone, open their laptops, turn on their PCs, get your, you know... Do people use Palm Pilot still? I don't know. If you do, your phone might be uh, newer than mine. Get on your Wii internet browser. Send us an email. By that, I mean me. And maybe some, you know, educations in order here. So the Memory of Melody segment, obviously a play on words of the Kingdom Hearts Melody game. We listen to good tunes from video games, particularly try to theme it around a particular season or just, um, you know, games that remind us of summer, favorite Nintendo games, whatever it is, it's meant to be a segment to listen to great tunes, but also share the memories of why those 
particular games or songs or special to us. And so because we're in the spooky season, I'm asking all of the listeners, you're listening right now, send me an email at Podcast at gmail.com and include a song name and the game. You don't even have to pull up the YouTube video. I'll do that myself of a song that reminds you of Halloween, the spooky season, preferably from video games, and also include a paragraph or two about why that game reminds you of the Halloween season. Maybe, you know, you got a game, you had a really nice neighbor, and he threw, I don't know, um, Silent Hill 2 into your, uh, you know... Little candy bag? Little candy bag when you were like seven years old. I don't know. Maybe you had a really generous neighbor. Or maybe you just have some really solid childhood nostalgic memories playing a particular spooky season game, and there's a song in that game that reminds you of the spooky season. Include the song name, include the game, and include a little write-up of why that's special to you because that's what the segment is all about. Memory of melodies, reminiscing about the song, reminiscing about the memory tied to that particular song. All right? I'll be sure to post another reminder on Discord, and then the plan is to record that episode shortly before Halloween, and I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to read through those memories here live on the show. I'm going to play all of those tunes, and hopefully it'll be a good time listening to some spooky season tunes. I always love listening to those. I think I was on one of them before, or maybe I just submitted a lot of songs for you guys Yeah, to I think play. You would, I had you on for uh, maybe songs that remind us of summer or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but those are always fun just to hear like what's meaningful to everyone and then just get exposure to different songs and different games that you might have never played or never heard of before. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Again, I'm going to be the DJ for that one. Playing a lot of tunes, hopefully reading and sharing lots of fun memories of all of you when you were younger playing some spooky season games. But with that, we've come to the tail end of the episode. Normally, I ask Ryan if he has any fun facts or parting words for the listeners. Do you have any fun facts or parting words? Yeah, a quick fun fact as we get into spooky season, a little bit about how much people spend at Halloween. So in 2021, it was estimated that people spent in the U.S. spent a total of a little over $10 billion around Halloween. So that's costumes, that's candy, that's decorations, $10 billion. And approximately three of the $10 billion were spent specifically on candy, which is crazy. That's a lot of candy. Yeah. So if you don't want to hand out candy, you can hand out video games to your neighborly Please do. Get your local little kid a copy of Resident Evil 7. Do him one. Just don't be that guy who hands out toothbrushes. Candy or video games. Those are the options. Yeah. Just just toss out those Resident Evils. All right. (laughs) Kids need to grow up someday. Yeah. Might as well be uh, pretty early. So thank you again for having me on the show. I can't believe this is what my eighth time being on the show. Seventh. Yeah. Speaking of Resident Evil 7. Yeah. Yeah. But I always love coming on and uh, talking with you or Ryan just about games we've been playing and just catching up. Of course, anytime. Thank you for being on once again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Once again, we have some fun episodes in the near term coming out. Can't wait for it. But until then, stay safe. Stay healthy out there. Keep playing the great video games as long as they're spooky for the month of October. And we'll see you real soon. Bye. Bye.